Welcome to the Ripe Global Podcast, a podcast providing innovative and inspirational dental education to dental professionals and their teams worldwide. Each fortnight, we deliver relevant content covering procedures, educational opportunities, and interviews with rock stars from the dental world. As we explore the successes and failures of dentistry, learn practical tips and expert advice to help you become a better dental professional. Hello and welcome back to the Ripe Global Podcast. This once again is Mike Melkers coming to you from Hanover, New Hampshire. And this morning, afternoon or evening, I don't know where you are in the world when you're listening, but we're being joined by one of the Ripe Global educators and also going to be one of the educators in the upcoming Fellowship in Restorative Dentistry, David Stahovich from Vinslov, Sweden. I'm sure I just butchered your name pretty well there, David. Welcome. Thank you, Michael, and uh, hi, everyone. So uh, you actually did very well with the pronunciation of that surname. It's uh, not easy at all. <laughs> Must be my Latvian Latvian upbringing and roots. I, I think I, I, I have uh, some ability with accents to not quite butcher names, but uh, hey, I have a I have a great name butchery skill skill within me. But but welcome, David. How's how's things doing on your side of the world? Well, it's uh, it's actually quite quite good, I would say, uh, except for a turbulent uh, uh, week at work. Uh, things are settling down quite nicely now for the weekend. So, oh. so good. what makes it a tur- what makes a turbulent week at work for you? Well, you know, it's like um, for most dentists when you have. Uh, have a clinic and um, like uh, three of your four dental assistants uh, go on uh, sick leave or for another reason Um, well then it kind of makes things a bit complicated oh boy that would definitely uh, fall under the category of a turbulent week how'd you battle through that uh, well, I kicked one day off for myself and uh, just tried to uh, organize things um, and just get a grip on the whole situation. Just talk with uh, with the staff and uh, how we could um, make this uh, roll on nicely on uh, during the spring. Uh, because obviously we have it's not COVID for everyone, but we had uh, two uh, two uh, pregnancies and. Uh, so you, you could call that an epidemic of some sort. Uh, <laughs> and, and then, um, yeah, and then one, one of um, my dental assistants, her aunt actually uh, died from COVID. So it was- um, Oh, geez, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. you know, it, it's tough. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a year of firsts and a year of challenges, but, uh, you know, as many, and I know we certainly can't overcome and, and cure death, and, I, and I'm very sorry to hear the passing. There are other opportunities, though, where we're really forced to reinvent, adapt ourselves, and uh, become stronger and better people for it. True, yeah, and that's pretty much what we see with uh, with Ripe Global. It's uh, very very nice to see it evolving the way it has been, and there's a big need for it as well. Yeah, so so let, let's talk a little bit about that. How did you come across, come upon Ripe? I think in the beginning, I was just searching some groups to uh, uh, open my eyes a bit for different treatments and just looking at high quality groups. So 
I think I stumbled in uh, style Italiano at first and then uh, saw Tomorrow Tooth and then uh, went on, on Ripe. And um, what actually um, got me hooked on, um, on following Ripe was uh, um, the attention to detail in, in uh, most cases that are presented and the level of documentation. It's actually fantastic and to see so many people post high quality cases and um, very well documentation crossed over. It's, it's amazing. Well, and speaking inspiring. of which, you've, you've just been on a tear lately putting up some, some fantastic cases. I've, I've enjoyed well, watching you know, some of your smaller cases with lots of details, some of the, that bigger multidisciplinary case you just put up. So how, when, when you first started, uh, were you posting right away or were you just lurking and, and reading? Well, I think I was just uh, perhaps lurking and reading and following a bit before I posted my first uh, first case, uh, just to see what it was about, because uh, um, it's it's a bit different from the other forums where you can post uh, before and after picture or just um, like three or four pictures of a case. Uh, here you actually need to detail and perhaps even motivate um, why you've chosen some kind of treatment. And it's, of course, interesting and motivates you to be uh, a bit better with, with each case, so. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting when you, when you say that, it's, it's motivating and intimidating at the same time. Oh, yeah. Uh, dep yeah. Depending on your personality, I, I find times that, I, that I'm completely motivated by what's put on there. And there are other times where I look and I'm like, oh my God, that makes my case look horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's with, true, with, but I think, it's, of course, it's a personality issue on um, how confident you are or how much you would um, um, take to yourself uh, on uh, having to view these fantastic cases. But I think uh, the most important thing is uh, just to, to grasp the opportunity to become better yourself and not just compete with others because they might have uh, totally different backgrounds and uh, perhaps uh, are, are just focusing on one disciplinary and um, then it's perhaps a bit easier uh, than just being a broad dentist trying to do everything uh, to high standards. So um, yeah, I think um, don't, don't let it intimidate you, just, uh, just post and, and be happy. Thanks, David. No, I, I, you know, I, I appreciate you taking the taking serious concern in, in my fragile ego, <laughs> but it oh, is. No, that's, it's, that's not in your <laughs> ego. Your cases are magnificent, Michael. <laughs> oh gosh, it's you know, no, it's I appreciate that, but uh, but I'm inspired and, and intimidated all the all the time on Ripe, and those are always always you know flip sides of the coin, whether I, I talk about you know, with, with occlusion, if you're inspired to achieve success, or if you're uh, inspired to avoid failure. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's almost two different descriptions of the same of the same thing. It, it's just your perspective on it, as you said. And, uh, you know, when I when I look at at ripe, and I look at the cases, there are times I feel really good about myself. And then there are other times I'll see another case, and I'll realize what I thought was very good. Uh, and, uh, you know, the cognitive dissonance 
of not realizing uh, my shortcomings and my and my blind sides. Do you remember, David, when you first started posting? Do you remember your first cases? Yeah, I actually do remember my first case. It was, uh, I guess, it was a, a veneer case with an open bite. Um, yeah, that that should be it. Um, <laughs> At that point, I found it to be a nice case, a very nice case, and it still is. It's holding up very well. Uh -huh. um, but then, uh, then of course, after a couple of days, you saw other cases, and they were uh, really good. And you looked back on your own case and was thinking about things you could do better on it. So, yeah, I, I definitely like <clears throat> like looking back on my case. I actually I've, I've cataloged almost everything I've posted unripe to be able to go back and I also have little secret folders of of many of uh, your and other people's cases so that I, I can it's al it's almost like an online textbook for me that I go oh yeah there that's Ratto or Lincoln or David's case and I, I go back and 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 use that almost as a as a review from time to time yeah it's quite useful just to be able to go back and see uh, whenever I have like some implants planned um, I try going on just browsing through uh, the surgical cases and uh, find it to be inspiring. Sometimes you can pick up uh, some kind of advice that makes it a bit easier or um, to make it to make the case a bit better in some perspective, what to think of or just uh, just how to execute it. So, um, uh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I think it has had a big impact, not only by viewing cases, but also by being handed over some critique um, by fellow colleagues. And sometimes you might be a bit uh, offended, perhaps at first, you're thinking about, man, I use those four zero sutures all the time, and they want me to go thinner or have a bigger, uh, bigger uh, grasp of the tissue or something. And, and then you start thinking of it and it kind of makes sense and you start trying those things on your cases and see nice results and you get more and more convinced of, um, of changing actually. Remember, yeah, you remember when, when 4.0 seemed oh so small and then it was 5.0, yeah. then it was 6.0. I'm just waiting for it to hit double digits and, you know, Lincoln and Radislav <laughs> will start using like 13.0 something and we'll, we'll actually need an electron microscope to actually uh, complete our suturing. We'll need nanobots. But <laughs> yeah, the, the perspective change with sutures uh, in particular has, has been mind blowing. But Dave, why don't, why don't you share, kind of share with your listeners, because we all have uh, different clinics and different practices. I mean, some of us are all restorative, some of us are all surgical. Tell us about kind of a just a typical mix of, of what your week looks like or what your uh, areas of focus and passion are clinically. Well, Michael, that's uh, quite basic to be honest. It's, uh, um, it's, a, it's a normal clinic. We're uh, at the moment free dentists and we share the workload. So it's, uh, I do all kinds of things, all from uh, a normal checkup to some uh, endo. Um, some weeks are filled with bigger cases, uh, prep sessions. Of course, uh, normal restorative procedures, fillings, uh, extractions, and um, emergency visits on, um, on a daily basis, of course. 
So it's a, it's a, um, it's I think it's a quite normal situation for many dentists that I'm actually um, having at at work. Well, if I could, uh, if I or you could could wave a magic wand and make your practice kind of procedure based, whatever you wanted, would you maintain what you have or would you focus more on certain areas? Well, I would perhaps uh, wish for um, uh, more aesthetic consultations just because they are quite rewarding and, um, and fun to, to execute. Uh, but then again, I think um, the diversity of, of and challenge with, with each different step and procedure uh, is quite rewarding too. Um, so I, I wouldn't just trade off one part of it or, or some part of it. Um, a while back, I was kind of sick on endo, uh, but instead <laughs> of just, uh, um, and, I, and I have a very good colleague that's, uh, he's great with endo. Uh, and that actually motivated me to, to try even better with it. And within time, I began to like it even more. So um, yeah. It's, um, I think I would like to keep it just the way it is. Yeah. It's got the, the term I, I've heard bantered around is you're a, a decathlon dentist. It, it, your, you don't have that one specialist area, but you, you, you rise to the challenge of actually being you know, excellent in, in many areas. Well, it's, uh, it's tough, but you see people like uh, Lincoln Harris doing it and uh, then obviously it can be possible. I'm not doing my ortho yet, except uh, the aligner cases, um, uh, but it's, uh, it's actually fantastic to be able to do so many disciplines and, and really high quality. Yeah, fantastic. So with, uh, you know, with RIPE and with all the multidisciplinary care that we see, who uh, inspires you on RIPE? Who are, who are the people that have impacted you? There's so many, many people uh, inspiring. Uh, you being one, Michael, of course. Um, and, well, thank uh, you. Uh, Lincoln, of course, uh, posting um, very, very many cases on a regular basis. Uh, and you just see high quality throughout. Um, some other Australian guys like uh, Michael Kresis is uh, posting fantastic oh boy. cases. Uh, and so nice descriptions on each case. Uh, it's, um, I, I don't think uh, we grasp on, well, I didn't do it before I started with the keynote things and everything on how much time it consumes to produce uh, those presentations. Um, so yeah, and of course, Radoslav and, um, and Ricardo Kern with their uh, implant surgery and soft tissue management. And, I'm not even doing soft tissue now, so uh, not not in any advanced way. So it's 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 like just looking at a good movie, actually. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you, do you aspire to uh, incorporating the soft tissue surgeries in your practice? Yeah, but I would like to do um, some kind of um, course for it to be mm -hmm. um, able to to feel secure about uh, taking a graft and, and placing it and that's something we're um, not even discussing at dental schools here in, in Sweden at least mm -hmm. uh, or at least 
they were they weren't doing it back when I was finishing. Yeah, well, I mean, I uh, I was supposed to go visit, and uh, with Radislav, uh, COVID kind of changed that. I've been down to see uh, Ricardo and spent five days in his clinic, which was fabulous. And I actually flew to even to Stockholm of all places to study with Lincoln. I, I can't remember if you were in that in that class or or not at DAB. Uh, no, no, not not that one. Um, I think we met on on uh, like a year later on. Right when uh, I think when when Johan had me over, but that exactly. that was a uh, that was one of those mind blowing experiences. And I've known Lincoln for so long, I can't I can't quite think maybe eighteen years if not more. And uh, the suturing techniques that he shared at that were were one of those kind of inspirational moments, those transitional moments where your perspective has been changed and you can't go back. And, and it's exhilarating and frustrating because you can't quite do it at that level yet, but, uh, but you know it's coming. Yeah, those things are hard to reproduce. Um, it takes, uh, well, not only a bit of skills, but also tactility and, and, uh, and I think uh, just a lot of practice. Oh yeah, yeah. You got to get your reps in. So with the with your time on 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 Ripe and the Ripe group on on Facebook, what things have you could you point out within your own skill set that have have dramatically changed that you're that you're proud of your accomplishments? Well, um, just pretty much trying to, to um, become better with with uh, each step and each discipline. I think um, uh, also I started to think a bit differently uh, on my consult visits and uh, um, perhaps yeah making making myself more confident uh, even with uh, with those bigger rehabs because um, sometimes you're um, a patient can corner you, and um, uh, you can feel a bit a bit lost within uh, yourself and how to present um, treatment options. So I guess uh, I've picked up uh, quite some a few tips from there. Um, but technically speaking, and uh, on on which procedures I, I uh, perform, I would say, yeah. Um, quite some, um, both within uh, normal preps and within restorative. Um, there are so many people posting really, really high quality cases on each day. So um, it's, it's motivating. Talk, talk, about, talk about that more, how, how your, your, your preparations have changed and, and what you've been exposed to. Because you're, you're, the cases that you post are, are absolutely exceptional. And your, your, your preparations and design and, and, and thought process. So yeah, talk about that a little bit more. Well, if you take uh, just like direct restorations, you can um, just post a case and get some feedback. And I was talking to Johan Hagman just a while back and he was saying, David, why don't you bevel some more on this way or, or uh, on that angle? And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, perhaps I'll try that. And you try that and you think, uh, well, this turned out nicely. And then you start thinking of uh, 
um, of the pros and cons of uh, doing that particular action. Uh, does it make sense for me? Uh, does it make sense in every case? And you just start your uh, uh, thinking process going. And ultimately it produces some kind of um, improvement. Um, as for preps, I mean, uh, it wasn't like a couple of years ago, I was prep prepping horizontally almost all the time. Um, and then I changed to um, doing a lot more of uh, the vertical preparations. Um, which I find very useful in, in quite many cases, especially on my patient base, uh, which are mostly perhaps older people. Um, and it suits, suits me very well, and I can see very nice results from it as well. Well, talk about that more. Talk about, because, and, and actually, before we jump in, uh, I know that we're, we're familiar, or at least you're familiar. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up a thing or two. Can you just take a moment for our listeners to define a vertical preparation and define a horizontal preparation. Well, with the horizontal preparation, it's basically what most people are taught at dental schools. And it's uh, producing a distinct margin for the dental technician to follow. Uh, and of course, um, making a correct impression or nowadays it would be perhaps uh, a good scan of it. Um, with, with the vertical preparations, well, you do have um, a, a margin, um, uh, so, so, um, but it's kind of, you can't really touch it, perhaps. You can see it, and uh, well, if you have a good retraction, you'll pretty much be able to feel it because it's going to create uh, the undercut to where your restoration will end. Um, so, so it's um, in the in the beginning. Of course, it's it's a bit different approach, and you can feel a bit uh, lost. I did, um, uh, but of course, with time, you just get used to it, and you see a lot of benefits with it. Well, you're, uh, uh, this is going so well because you're you're feeding me all my next questions. What are the benefits of it? Because you you said that it was a challenge for you at first and all that. So why battle through and why change from that traditional horizontal net? I guess we could throw chamfers or shoulders or, uh, or even chamfer shoulder bevels in there. Why was it enough of a benefit for you to actually switch from a, a traditional mode of prepping? Well, basically because um, we had a long range of patients with perhaps uh, having received several restorations before um, committing to do a crown on a tooth or rehabs where we had the subgingival margins and poor uh, animal quality, um, perhaps those cases with deeper fractures. And it's, uh, it was always a, a, a battle uh, within yourself when you were prepping, especially on um, second molar or uh, the first molar even on some patients can be quite difficult. Uh, and you had to go and put the margin uh, subchangeably. Um, and ultimately that would uh, perhaps make it hard for you to visualize what you're doing and then to reproduce it on a correct way. 
so yeah i think uh, in those uh, those cases the vertical approach will pretty much eliminate um, that process of thinking and and make it quite easy for you to make something reproducible from the lab and yet being quite uh, minimally invasive uh, on the most important parts of the tooth. So with, with that, you said there is a margin. So I think that's some, some of the confusion people think, are you just, com do you completely just have a straight vertical uh, preparation or even tapered, I guess, slightly tapered, or do you actually have a knife edge that you can see? Well, I can see a knife edge. If I prep with the, with the bat burr, I, um, most of the times I can see and follow, uh, especially if you're using Teflon uh, packed in, in your sulcus, you, you can get a nice reproducible um, edge that you will follow, especially What's when a... you have. Yeah, sorry. Tell, tell, can you explain a bat burr for us? Yeah, it's um, it's a safe end burr, just um, pretty much what you would use uh, on endo cases uh, to avoid uh, perforation of some kind. So, and what's what's the typical shape that you that you're using for for the vertical preparations? Well, it's, that is the uh, shape small, of the burr. The, the shape of the burr. Yeah, sm small tapered ones, just uh, usually uh, um, zero twelve, uh, and um, well, I quite quite like the the ones with uh, with bigger particles. So I use a green band most of the time, and then just okay. finish up with with a red band and uh, and discs. So, do you find when you're when you're going with the red band, are you going uh, with you know the the red band diamond is there a time that you're actually incorporating carb uh, finishing carbides as well oh, um, personally i don't do that i just try to finish uh, um, every prep with with uh, discs with the softlex disc uh, and i just go with the coarse one and um, use it all the way through then it's quite blunt at the end so um, it kind of smooths up nicely, and uh, I've been doing that ever since I was uh, uh, out of school. So um, it hasn't that part hasn't changed, mm -hmm. so to say. So, so what uh, with the learning curve of the of the vertiprep, what what were the big challenges that you encountered switching from traditional? Well, the big challenge, the biggest challenge is uh, if you're a um, person with um, need of control, like I am, uh, <laughs> then you have to, yeah, then you have I've to never heard these characteristics among, among dentists. What are you no, talking about? Really. <laughs> We're very yeah. easy going. We're very easy going and we adapt to change easily. <laughs> yeah, it must be unusual. Um, no joke aside, I think uh, that was the biggest issue for me because I was... Uh, uh, on a daily basis, just chasing uh, a, a perfect, a perfect margin, and all the courses I was uh, doing um, were uh, lined up just for the horizontal preps. So um, I, I wasn't really thinking about doing anything else at the time. Mm -hmm. So if you could go back and change something within your learning curve or adopting vertical preparations, is there something that you wish you had done differently that could have made your life easier or your technician's life easier? Well, I wish I would do it 
earlier on in my, my career. That's that's for one because uh, I can still recall a lot of cases uh, where I would um, be better off using this technique. Um, as for um, the particular um, procedure itself, well, um, I would say use a good dental technician and uh, have um, have a talk through the process with them. See if they are at least familiar. Don't just send it to any lab because they might not know what to do with, uh, with that kind of prep. And you might get an angry call and say, hey, uh, what happened this day? Uh, was that burr all defect or something? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so, so um, and I have some colleagues here around me that are actually, uh, some just got some burrs from me just to try. Um, and then they called me up and said, oh yeah, I had, I, I had the, the vertical prep today and it went so nicely, David, and I did the impression and I sent that to the lab and I was asking them, oh yeah, which lab did you send them to? Uh, because here in Sweden, we have just a few labs doing uh, crowns um, within uh, the vertical preparation steps. So um well then of course you have to just uh, kindly tell my colleague to point out to the lab just so they make the spacing correctly and everything how, how do you mean make the spacing correctly well so so you don't have um too too much load on on those ceramics uh, and uh, um, if, if you try them in and uh, they have a too snug fit uh, mm -hmm. They might chip, especially on a cervical. So um, uh, that's that's a thing I've learned the hard way myself um, by actually sending a case to a lab uh, that didn't know um, how we wanted uh, the spacing done. So yeah. So the with that, and those are some of the challenges that I was wondering and alluding to, is. Talk a, talk a little bit about material selection with vertipreps or, uh, you know, are we, are we doing monolith? Are we still doing porcelain to dot, 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 lithium desilicate, zirconia, metal? And which materials uh, are better to use and which ones should we perhaps stay away from when we're working with the vertipreps? That's, that's a good question. I think um, several people have demonstrated that they use um, a variety of materials. Uh, for myself, I've been using mostly monolithic zirconia, uh, mm -hmm. just to avoid any chipping. Um, and I think uh, I've done a couple of Emacs with uh, this uh, prep style. Um, and they worked out nicely. Um, I'm gonna try to do uh, my first gold crown actually because a patient miraculously asked me to do a gold crown and that's gonna be the first one in my career. Um, of course, <laughs> I gave her a bit of discount just because I was so happy about it. Uh, and yeah, uh, that too qualifies for a vertical prep. So hopefully I can get a good documentation on it and uh, see um, how it turns out. So I don't think, um, well, the thing I like with monolithic zir zirconia is the development of the material. And I can just imagine in five, 10 years, because nowadays you can see amazing results, which uh, we saw 
uh, on Ripe the other day when uh, Carlo posted a magnificent case. And those monolithic zirconias, they look almost like Emacs restorations. Car so Carlo Poggio. Yeah, yeah. From, from, yeah, he, that was that was an absolutely uh, gorgeous case, and it, it is amazing how far zirconia has come from just being a chalky white blob substructure to actually now approaching, you know, not, well, not approaching. It's you know, it's an aesthetic choice even in anterior dentition. Hmm. Yeah, I had a 25-year-old uh, girl coming with me with uh, with uh, deep, deep decay down to the bone. And we did a monolithic zirconia on, on that tooth, and you just can't spot it. Is, is there a certain brand of zirconia that you prefer? When it comes to aesthetics, I guess uh, the katana is, is, is very nice. Um, that's the, the ones that I'm most happy about when it comes to aesthetic perspectives are from, from uh, the katana blocks. And um, otherwise, uh, of course, you would have to go, um, if you're just interested in, in strength, then you have to make that compromise. And where are you going if, uh, if, you know, if strength is more important than aesthetics? What, what zirconias are you using then? Well, there are several others. Um, I think we used uh, uh, both the, the Zircad and uh, um, and some other brands as well um, that are up in, in those uh, higher megapascal uh, strengths. So um, yeah, quite, quite a few ones. Yeah. So you, you talk to my technician about it and just tell them I want the strongest one in there. So that's a good brand, the strongest one. I like that. Yeah, it's like to it's like toilet paper. <laughs> well, maybe not. Okay, bad analogy. Let's move on. So, so <laughs> you, uh, you you mentioned a little bit earlier <clears throat> about impressioning, or you said scanning. Are, do you have a balance of analog and digital in your practice? Or are you moving more all towards digital? We're definitely moving more and more towards digital. Um, it started off just, just like with, uh, with any kind of new procedure. You're kind of uh, uh, wary about it and uh, just try it out in the beginning. Um, but then after a while, it was working out very nicely. and everything was fitting just as well or even better than the traditional way with impressions. So um, um, basically I would say perhaps 80% of my uh, work is uh, done by, by scanning now. And, and what, are, what are you using for a scanner, David? It's a free us free shape, a free shape move. Okay. Any learning curve items specific to scan, you know, marrying scanning and vertipreps? Well, I would say just pay just as much, much attention to um, retraction and uh, getting a dry field. Um, and uh, then, then you should be quite fine. Um, the good part with the scanner is it can actually tell you if you have an undercut uh, and you can zoom in on the on the prep. Um, you can erase it and rescan it. You can 
if you're not happy about it, you can make a whole new scan uh, and it doesn't take that much time and it doesn't actually cost you uh, those bucks that the material would uh, if you just decide that this impression was good, but my prep wasn't good enough. So um, it makes life a bit easier too. Okay. So is there a place in your practice still for horizontal preps? Yeah, I do them. I do them, of course. And I do onlays, I do uh, horizontal preps. Um, it's not that I quit with uh, prepping horizontally at all. It's just that I find that in, in many cases, um, uh, my patients do want something holding up for a long time. Um, and um, if I can sense that the animal quality isn't good enough, or if I don't have, uh, let's say, animal to bond to, uh, I'm just going to go vertical on those teeth. And um, in, in my belief, it, it makes sense. Um, and I think uh, what I see from, from the recalls, it's uh, all looking very good. But of course, it's just been a couple of years, like three years or, or something. So uh, I would like to see it in, in 10 or 15 years as well to see the failures. Yeah. And that's, you know, that that's an exciting thing that, that we have coming up. It's, you know, starting up very soon. And, and uh, actually, depending on when the podcast is aired, it might already have begun. But you and Dr. Alina Rusinova from Estonia are the two educators that are going to be leading the U.S.-European uh, cohort in the uh, indirect portion at first of the uh, of, the, of module one. Tell me a little bit about that. Tell me, share some of your excitement, share what you guys are hoping to, uh, you know, to share with the participants. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be fantastic. I think um, Alina has uh, uh, shown many times with her high quality work. Um, uh, she's, she's a superb clinician uh, and, a, and a very, very nice person. And I think uh, uh, she has the ability of uh, um, uh, educating on a, on a very nice, a nice way. And I hope I can uh, contribute uh, to that in, in, a, in a good way too. Um, so it's, it's, I don't think we're going to focus just on uh, the vertical preps, but just covering uh, all aspects of uh, the preparation methods and uh, just being able to choose uh, the correct one for each case or each tooth. Okay. Yeah. So I know you're going to be putting vertical, horizontal, uh, onlays, pretty much filling up people's quivers for, for whatever, whatever comes their way. Definitely. And uh, I'm excited because I am hopefully going to be sneaking in the back of the room and actually being one of the support educators for the two of you. So I am very, very excited. I think our, our hands-on is coming up in uh, the end of April. And uh, so module one, we have just a lot, a lot of neat things going on. So uh, I, I know it's, uh, we have our Saturday and you, I don't know if you, you have to head off to paddle. All right, so you, yeah. are you doing that? We have a paddle match at, uh, at 6 p.m. here. So uh, getting, getting quite ready for it. Um, so is that, a, is that a big thing in Sweden right now? So paddle is kind of like a combination of racquetball, squash and tennis, huh? Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's amazing. It's spread so fast, and 
become so popular pretty much with the restrictions for for covid because you're only allowed to be an x number of people i think it's eight now and you're only four on a big court and uh, hopefully that's still uh, okay to to uh, keep keep in shape and um, uh, kind of relax from from all the stress because uh, people tend to need it as well so a lot of firsts you know we talked about ripe global first the fellowship first the uh the paddles being something that that's new and as we're kind of wrapping up the program we're about 40 minutes in i actually have one more first that we have never done here at ripe global so david your cases have been so spectacular and we've all been big fans and i know you got your green logo last year so i am awarding you live on the podcast the ripe blue logo for your exceptional contributions and in excellent case posts in multiple multiple disciplines so congratulations david on uh being awarded the right global blue logo thank you very much michael that's a huge surprise i'm uh, i'm speechless i'm overwhelmed now so um thank you thank you a lot you're you're welcome it is so deserved and it was really fun to actually be able to award that to you and see the look on your face before we wrap up, David, do you have anything left to say to the our listeners? Um, no, just keep on posting and keep on following Ripe and uh, hope to see some of you on, on the fellowship. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, I'm really excited about it. Well, fantastic. So uh, thank you everyone for joining us once again. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to jump on to the Ripe Global Facebook page and ask David or I any questions. Of course, you can always jump on to ripeglobal.com to find out about the fellowship and all of the other wonderful content. But otherwise, on this fine Saturday afternoon, this is Mike Melkers and David, and we are signing off. Thanks and have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us for this incredible episode of the Ripe Global Podcast. We'll meet you back here next time for some more insights from Ripe Global. And in the meantime, Ripe Global is teaming up with master dentists from all over the world to offer you a fast-growing library of world-class online lectures and masterclasses. Visit our website at www.ripeglobal.com and become a member today.